huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! <laughs> they're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 92nd episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today's episode is about to go deep into the woods. Oh my God. EJ and I are talking about the film The Blair Witch. She's back. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic, EJ Marino. Matt, I'm so excited to talk about Blair Witch. I loved it. I can't wait to get deeper into it and talk about all the juicy details. You're a giddy hot mess. But first, Monkey's Fighting Robots is blazing at warp speed thanks to the folks at Kinsta. It's our new server that we installed two weeks ago, and it's amazing. I just can't say enough praises about the company. If you're looking for a new server for whatever your projects are... Go check them out. They'll make your website the fastest thing on earth. So, Matt, how impressive was Fear the Walking Dead on Sunday? Oh, my goodness. I was waiting for a big plot twist where they were going to trap the survivors on the pier and they were going to have to escape that. But no, they just kind of played it straight and there was no twist on the end there. The zombies just went into the water. I, I kind of like that there wasn't a twist because I think that scene paid off so nicely and they built it up so good. And there was a little tension, like you said, that are they going to be stuck there? What's going on? And I thought it was cool. And the whole riptide with sucking in the zombies into the water. Genius stuff. Like they keep evolving what you can do with zombies in such a different way. And I keep enjoying what they're doing. Each episode, they kind of up the ante with zombies and the stuff that they're doing in the show. And it's it's keeping it refreshing. This group is way smarter than Rick's group. Yeah, and it's so funny since they're like earlier into this kind of thing and you know, we see them to compare to Rick's group who's been here for a while and God, they're blowing them out of the water. Like if this was a race, they're like miles ahead now. I still love the setting. I love what's going on with Nick's group and then the other people at the hotel. I did visually the cinematography for me just works way better than just the set designs of Atlanta and Georgia, wherever they are and, and, and the, and the country there. I, I love the blues and the waters and, and the you know, the sandy colors and stuff. It just cinematography. I just love for fear of the walking dead. Yeah. Fear the walking dead has such a, a, a high like saturation and it's so colorful and like, but still has that like dark kind of like gritty feel to it. But like, 
like just regular Walking Dead is just so kind of bland and it's desaturated and it just doesn't have that like visual appeal. And I love that how stylistically different the two shows are because it's a good way of making them connected but still separated. And that's kind of what you want to do with spinoffs and stuff like that is make it feel like the the original but give it its own take. And I like that they're doing that. And Nick is like rock and roll away from the sex, drugs, and rock and roll hat trick right now as he's dealing drugs and making out women. Yeah, he's doing pretty good over there. I thought Nick was going to struggle for most of the season, and I think he's kind of following into his own. And I, I kind of hope he ends up running this group because he's pretty smart, and I think he's proving it more and more each episode and kind of redeeming, redeeming himself from just this drug addict character to he could be a potentially good leader for the show. And what's up with the pharmacy guy? Like, did he get bit? Did he not get bit? Did he fake the bite? Like, there's so many different possibilities going on with that show right now. Or with, really the, with like that the character. Mystery. With that character. Yeah, that, that mystery is going on really, really cool with him. Because at first I was just like, oh, man, could this be a whole, like, twist on the Walking Dead universe? Is Are there people going to be immune? Can people get bit? And then you, you, we were talking about it a little bit before. And you were like, no, what if this is just mind games? And I'm like, Oh my God, what if it is mind games? Yeah, there's a lot going on with that. And I, I can't wait to know. And I'm glad they're kind of building that up to something. I'm leaning towards it's a fake bite. He had somebody fake bite him so that he can get everybody to follow him. You know, God spared me, saved me from the zombie apocalypse. So you need to follow me. Look at my fake zombie bite. And then once it comes out, then tears, tears down the town, everything falls apart. And then the drug dealers take over. But like, Cause it's one of those things like once you find out, then it falls apart. But like, if you don't find out, then you're just follow it and everybody's, everybody's fine. This is the one thing with the walking dead universe is nobody likes the world to just be fine. They, they want to destroy it. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of have to though, you know, we see a lot that happens in the original walking dead. And now we're seeing it with here is these like corrupt leaders are running these kind of cult like things and they're kind of getting exposed later on and i can't wait to see his exposure and we see them tear him down because he's kind of deserving if it is a fake bite once again fear the walking dead makes sundays enjoyable if you have an opinion about fear the walking dead just shoot us a message on twitter because we will probably be on twitter while we're watching fear the walking dead in other news the x-men apocalypse movie that i wanted to see came out this week and it was only three and a half minutes but it was amazing that mall scene the deleted mall scene, I can't believe they left it out of the film. It's so short and it's so important and it adds so much more to it. And I don't know why they cut it out in the original thing. This was the year that superhero films were edited to hell and left out a lot of important things. Because this, as short as it was, really did help us. We talked about it. There needed to be more 80s nostalgia. And this was it. This was the perfect mall scene. And it was great. And I'm just upset that it wasn't in there. And there were so many good jokes. I don't know yeah, why I love slush puppies and I will laugh at a brain freeze every time I see it. I don't know. I love brain freeze jokes. I don't get it. And and it's so funny that seeing with a character like Nightcrawler and, you know, it, it worked so well. Like brain freeze jokes are great when it works with characters like Nightcrawler. And I loved it. I love seeing Jubilee a little bit more. I actually kind of liked Cyclops and Jean Grey just seeing them interact here. I thought that was kind of cool. I, I think this was such a good moment and actually like helped ground the film more with giving it that 80s flair. Do I say that the boy George joke was ballsy, but can I call it ballsy since they cut it out of the film? I, it, I give them credit for even making it because I didn't realize how much she looks like boy George until that moment. And that was so funny. 
but yeah, it sucks that they left it out because like that kind of makes it less cool and less ballsy. I still didn't get my Taylor Swift Dazzler, which I'm pretty upset about. Yeah, that's something that also was missing. It's like the deleted scene from the deleted scene. Just give us a little bit more, guys. It was almost there. I I like what they were doing, and I wish this made it in. I totally wish this made it in, and we'll see. You know, they're going to make another one. It made money. It didn't make a lot of money in the States, but it made a lot of money overseas. So there's going to be another X-Men movie coming after us soon, probably two years. Just everybody's on that two-year cycle. So we'll we'll see. It'll be set in the 90s. Were you alive yet? Yep, I was alive in the 90s. Um, and I like it. I think that's going to be funny if they're going to hit on like the grunge notes and a lot of like the 90s talk shows. There's a lot that they can do and kind of make fun of. And I did have a flashback to like the Blair Witch screening last night because you were talking about 90s shows. And I was like, did we talk about Jerry Springer yesterday? <laughs> I was like, yes, we did talk about Jerry Springer yesterday. Oh, man. Speaking of Jerry Springer and crazy shit, what is going on in Winnipeg this weekend? Winnipeg is the usual craziness that I love. They're going to have this weekend railway days. What? I don't. Yeah. Once again, they're in love with the craziest things. They're going to like talk about railway days at the railway museum in Winnipeg. And they're going to talk about real railway culture and technology. They're going to have the first locomotive of the prairies, a rare colonist car. They're going to teach you about your ancestors. It's between the 17th and the 18th in Winnipeg. It's crazy. I don't know who loves trains as much as Winnipeg. Is it going to be nice weather? Oh, the weather's pretty good. It's going to be, obviously, we live in Florida, so everything just sounds better than the 90 degrees we deal with here. Uh, uh, Friday is going to be 63. Saturday is going to be 72. And Sunday is going to be 75. It's like the ideal like weekend and weather and it's just gonna be a little sunny maybe light rain on friday it's it's a great day my ideal temperature is 55 degrees i love 55 degrees it's the best because you can like wear jeans and a long shirt or you can rock the sweatshirt if you wanted to i love rocking the sweatshirt but i don't ever do it when i'm down in florida because like it's like 102 degrees and I, i tried to explain that to people when i lived in chicago i was like when it gets cold you can always put more layers on, but when it's hot, there's only a certain amount of layers you can take off. And if you're still hot, you're fucked. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can't just like rip off your skin to like keep like trying to rip off more clothes to like stay cool. It's ridiculous. But yeah, I I like hearing about Winnipeg because it just gives me this like fantasy breakaway of like, ah, that's what actual weather should feel like. Like their low is going to be 54. Like how amazing does that sound? You know, what's funny is there's first time listeners that are just confused. They're like, why are they giving a Winnipeg weather report? And are they from Winnipeg? Uh, what? A, why do they want to ride the train? Uh, just so you know, for first time listeners, if you are the super fan of the week and Chad has been the super fan of the week for the past 22 weeks, you get a weekend calendar and a weather report on this podcast. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I want to know what's going on in my town. It's very simple. I can tell you what's going on in your town. All you have to do is comment on this podcast. You can comment on SoundCloud. You can send me a tweet. You can send EJ a tweet. You can send Monkey Spider Robots a tweet. Or you can comment actually on the website. Go to monkeyspiderrobots.com. Go to the podcast, the most recent one. Write a comment like, hey, Matt, like, I really like the Blair Witch. And I think all your views are really bad and all this other stuff. And I'll be like, listen, we can both have opinions about the Blair Witch. Use your words like better words, you know, don't act like you're a Trump supporter and you write with sticks and hammers and stuff like that. But like, 
give a good comment, and then we will give you the weather report and the plays of the week or events of the week. Yeah, just no caps lock angry comments. That's all we. That's all we like are asking you not to do is just don't give us angry caps lock comments like a Trump fan. Like a Trump fan. I was like, drunk fan? I was like, I want drunk fans. I really want some <laughs> drunk fans. That'd be awesome. All caps, can't understand anything. We have the best drunk fans at the Monkeys Fighting Roads podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> the Blair Witch is back. And she's e- returned. Oh, she's returned. And I'm impressed. And then I'm also vexed all at the same time. And EJ is just giddy giggling. Giddy giggling? Is that like an ox? That's like a double entendre? I don't know what that is. I I, I don't know. You're, you loved it. I liked it. Like the film works. But I'm still vexed. I and I understand your slight vexing. And I get why you don't love it. But I just, I'm just so enamored by it. It's just exactly what I wanted from the movie. I loved everything they added to it i love everything they homaged in it it just it really is a solid horror film for me i really think it's the best one i've seen this year the shallows was really fun and i really like don't breathe but i really think blair which is gonna just trump all of it and just do really really well oh you brought up don't breathe i'm like do i like this better than like don't breathe that's a good comparison because they're they're definite like uh, suspense horror films and God, that's, that's a tough one. I, I, will t- I will tell you which one I like better at the end of the podcast. But let's talk about like what we thought worked with this film. We both thought the cinematography worked with this film. More than the original because the original was in 1999 and they didn't have DSLRs and GoPros and hoverboards and drones and all that other shit that they have now. Of course, the cinematography was amazing. Yeah, and I don't want to, to take away from what they did in 99 with theirs. Like, I love that it's shot on a VHS. I think it, it makes it feel so real and authentic and helps ground the film. But to see it updated and what we have now, especially in, like, you go outside and every dad down the street has a drone. So to see it in this film, I thought it was really, really interesting to see. And I think that really did add way more to it to be able to, like, make it feel like a a complete film and be able to cheat some things. They kind of like put some establishing shots in. And those are some things you can do when you have body cameras and drones and DSLRs. You can, you can make a better film when you're making a found footage film, when you have more cameras. Yes. You can actually have dialogue where it bounces back and forth from the two different people when they both have cameras on them. I thought the drone was a little excessive, but I get it. I understand it. Uh, body cameras, I, I, I felt like they should have had like maybe the cop body camera. Maybe if, if having everybody have a body camera, I thought took away from it a little bit. I thought if one person had a body camera, then you would have like had like one person has the GoPro and one person has the body camera, you know, then you have the person with the real camera and I don't know what you give. I don't know what you give the fourth person. You know, but like I well, think, they had like the ear ones as well too. You know, that was another cool. Well, that like, was the, the body cam- camera. The ear camera was the body camera. Yeah, nobody had like the police like patch. You know, like yeah, the, like that GoPro in the center kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, but then the girl had the GoPro on her forehead with the light, and I was like, oh, you're so dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as soon as they handed that to her, I was just like, 
well, we know that one's not going to do well. That's that that little setup of just handing her that GoPro with a flashlight and like helmet combo. I was just like, that's instant death in these kind of movies. And then you also liked, and I also like that they gave more information on the Blair Witch. Like the overall plot of the film is similar to the Blair Witch project, but they explained expand on the mythos slightly yeah they they start giving you a little bit more and i feel like if we know that this is going to be a bigger franchise i think this could work better because they're going to feed you more information slowly but surely but we don't know if we're ever going to get another one after this so yeah that is a little hard that they kind of just only gave you a little bit but that little bit they gave me actually worked for me i think we started learning more about the woods and kind of what happens in these woods and a little bit more about the blair witch herself and kind of the backstory with her i think they did do well there no this movie the witch made me feel like this before, and this just, the Blair Witch reaffirms it. I'm never going to go in the woods again. No, it, yeah, it really, it's hard to, like, make the woods scary again after we've seen it through so many movies and so many years, even from Evil Dead back in the 80s to what we do now. And, God, 70s, Last House on the Left, what they do with wood scenes there. But now to see it still scary and still find new ways to creep you out, I loved it. I think that was, that's something refreshing that they, that the script and the filmmaker still kept it fun and progressive. Did the, did the film have time travel? See, that that was a weird element that they started introducing that we kind of got in the original that like they, they didn't know how long they were in there and time felt like it was running different. And then we see the two townies who separate from the main group and they're like, we've been in here for five days. And then we see the guy at the end and it's like he's been there for years. So, yeah, I think there is slight time travel. And I think once you step into this wooded area, it's you're you're part of the woods and it's the, the Blair Witch runs it. So, yeah, there is a lot of things you can do and cheats you can do with like time travel and stuff like that. I thought there was a little bit of creative writing in this. I don't want to ruin it for you, but there is kind of a Hitchcock moment at the end of the film, going back to the beginning of the film, which I least appreciated because I thought they tried to put more into this film than the original. This this film is better than the original film, but the problem is, for me, is it's the same exact film. I definitely kind of see where you're coming from, but I, I will say I appreciate what they did with the script more than what they did with the last one because the original film didn't even have a script. They had a 35-page outline, and they improvised the lines. Yes, they, they were kind of building mythos and kind of fed them information, but this one, you can tell Simon Barrett, the writer of this, really took his time and really tried to make a, a stronger piece, and I think that's what starts different, like make it different for me is to see that the, the film was more solid and more had more to like bite into, I think. Is that where you said they turned it up to like a 10? Like the action in this was way better than the original because there was no action in the first one. Yeah, and I think that's one, the, the product of being made later with more money and more trust that you can do a little bit more with like the effects and what you can do with the scares. And I think they did it, you know, they it seems like the witch was angrier in this movie than she was in the 99 because things happen faster and crazier. And I know we kind of got a fake out scene a little bit, not to spoil too much. You know, oh, there was there's some, so there's, many jump scares in this stupid movie. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a lot of like hijinks going on, a lot of craziness. But like once we got to what the witch was doing the action was crazy, man. Like there was good graphic content, something I didn't expect because the original was known for not giving you 
of anything. And there's some body horror in this. There was some like good kills in this. Yeah, there was some really good moments that I really think they upped the action to a 10. I love hearing the crowd like scream at disgust and stuff because okay, number one, Don't Breathe has the more has has grosser body scares than the Blair Witch. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but the Blair Witch still had had a scene where, where you just heard people, you know, yelling, oh, hell no. Like it's just there's there was an oh, hell no moment in the film. And it was it was quality in. There was some, I think there was some, I'm trying to think if there was, yes, there was one amazing death. And then the yes, the rest of them were kind of like, I don't know what happened. Yeah, but, they're kind of off camera-ish, but the one that they showed and, you know, it's something so cool. And it's something that I'm like thinking back and like, if they would have done that, like that kill in the original with the money that they have now or whatever, God, that would have just blown people's minds. And I think that's what happened to me here is I was expecting like, we're not going to get a lot of like gore or violence or anything action based or like some good cool kills. And as soon as it happened, I almost jumped out of my seat of excitement because that's what I go into these movies for. That's why I like the genre so much. And he delivered. Adam Wingard really delivered on some great solid horror. And you love this director. I, you know, there, there's a lot of like feelings just because he came from the famous, same film school I did. So there's like that hometown pride kind of thing of like, that's awesome. Same thing with the original directors. They went to UCF. I went to Full Sail. That was down the street. Like, it, I love that this is like these creators that always come from Florida. So I think I have a connection there. And Adam Wingard has not let me down with a movie from your next to the guest to his earlier films to this. I think he's really proving himself in this industry and really making a cool name. And films like this, I think, is just going to keep pushing him further. My thing is I hope that he keeps with his formula of making films for $5 million. Because if you make films for $5 million, horror films, you're going to make money all the time. You just have to have a decent opening weekend to make your money back. And then it's all making it rain for eternity and then DVD sales and then HBO and Cinemax and whatever. Netflix it afterwards. Like, just don't add them. Focus. Focus at them. Don't get a big head. Just stay within the $5 million budget, possibly 10, but don't go more than that for horror films. Well, even um, a couple years ago, your next that came out in 2013, it had a $1 million budget. It made $26.9 million. That's a pretty good for $1 million to make $25 million in profit. You know, he, he that's what he's doing. He's making cool, low budget films, using the most of his budget. And doing it, I think he's did it again here where he took $5 million and was like, I'm going to use this to the fullest. To me, it's that same Raimi like school of thought where like I'm going to make low budget movies and go crazy with this low budget and show you what you can do. And I love it. And I really like to see filmmakers do that, especially in the era now where we get these hundred million dollar superhero movies and then to go into the other side of film to see a five million dollar movie, I think have so much more heart. I loved it. I love seeing stuff like that in film. I, I think the lower budget makes you more creative. Yeah, you're forced to you're forced to think in a box. Like as much as I want people to be outside of the box and crazy, it limits you. And at the same time, you want to push boundaries for what you can do. Yeah, I really think low budget does help filmmakers. Was there more than one Blair Witch in the movie? What do you mean? Uh, in within the film, I don't know. I really feel like there is the one Blair Witch, but I feel like since she is a paranormal entity, she can kind of like jump around and do what she wants. 
But there are also set up mythos where there's other killers in these woods. There was a guy that killed a bunch of children that he said he was possessed by the Blair Witch like decades, decades before this film even happened. So, yeah, that you know, he could have been in this film. There's a lot that they started building and what they can do with the story. It could have just been because it was quickly. But like when Lisa looks out into the woods in the rain, it looks like a smaller Blair Witch person like old lady type thing and then in the house there's this bigger monster type thing and so i wasn't sure if there was more than one and then are they aliens a lot of stuff left up in the air on this thing like is are aliens around yeah they, they started touching on other like tropes and other kind of like subgenres, and i'm like Man, they're kind of throwing everything at the wall right now, and they didn't they didn't overuse it, but at the same time, they did start opening up a lot of questions. Where I'm like, okay, where is everything connected? Like, I want to get a map of this like mythology and be like, okay, what the hell is going on here? And I think that's successful, though. I think as a writer and filmmaker, you should be able to like kind of give people some questions and not answer all of them because you should be able to create your own ideas. And I think they did that well. What I think didn't work for the film for me is. It starts off the same way. Found footage, blah, blah, blah. So you know everybody is dead from the beginning. And if we're going to start something new, I would have, I personally appreciate thinking that at least somebody's going to survive or they're all going to survive because then the scares or the deaths come at me and have more weight. But knowing they're already dead, I already, I already lose connection with everybody in it because I'm like, eh, they're not going to be around for that much longer. And if I didn't know that they were dead and then they got killed, I'd be like, oh. And that's that's me personally. Well, yeah, like me personally, I'm a big fan of like nihilism. I like going in knowing none of these people are going to make it out alive. You're All the most evil person ever. Like you're evil. Well, like you're evil. I know. I know. Because especially you get to see me cheer at like pus and gore last night. So you get to see like the how much I really am kind of a dark, a dark sided human. But no, I, I, I like going into that. Some horror movies kind of feeling that no one's going to make it out alive because if there is a survivor, that to me is surprising and that kind of changes it but this it followed a path i'm like oh cool everyone deserves to die because everyone in this movie kind of sucked like not one person well, they was weren't really... they weren't bad people it wasn't like they were evil people and they deserved to die they just you know they i don't know the one guy was an emt he saves people for a living like hey like he should have survived yes he was the one that i kind of do wish um but the girl who was kind of the movie was carried on with her making the documentary film i think she was exploiting this poor boy the whole time and i think not only she got what she deserved but she kind of set this up and she did ask for this almost and this craziness happened because she put this whole scenario here and so it's interesting to see kind of how these people who aren't horrible human beings are still kind of dumb and still led themselves into this dumb situation i gotta go back to it i still got i don't know why like i don't know why but like this film is the same film as the Blair Witch that I had in 1999. So I understand, and you've watched our movie. So like you're the normal, you're you're the abnormal person because you watch everything. But I, I think the the new generation, because and I don't want to say millennials because there's other people out there besides millennials. Even though millennials don't realize that there are other people out in the world. Uh, <laughs> you shady bitch. <laughs> but I think. The next generation after me, or the two generations after me, will enjoy this film. They'll like it. It's the Blair Witch for their generation. But for me, I already saw the whole entire film. And, and like, yes, this is updated, but it had the same, same beats. They added to it. They expanded the universe. But in the end, 
it's the same movie. And I and that's where we kind of have the debate of like, they followed the formula. The formula works, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, I needed something. Like, back then, that was original. Now, it's a rehash. So, like, do I take points off for it? You know, I, I don't know. I don't, that's that's sort of the quandary. Because, like, it's a well-made film. It's well put together. I like all the all the pacing of it, how it worked. It's short, which it needs to be. But from point A to point B, or whatever it is, when you get to the final point of the Blair Witch Project and the final point of the Blair Witch movie, it's the same movie. No, I, I definitely agree, and I, I think it followed. But but at the same time, I don't think rehash should be used as like a like a slur or as like a derogatory term because I think that's what they needed to do. They I haven't they been drinking. This. I didn't slur that word. <laughs> I know, I know. But no, I uh, I just – I think what they did with Blair Witch 2, The Book of Shadows, really threw people off because they took away that whole shaky cam feeling. They made a more solid like actual film and it was hated and it didn't do that well where this one, they learned their lesson. They're like, look, we kind of knew what worked. So I don't know if – if what we want from sequels, like, because it's hard to like look at every horror sequel and be like, they all follow formulas. It's very rare that we have a movie that's like Alien to Aliens, where like you evolve it and change it from like a secluded a horror movie to almost an action and adventure. So yeah, it's it's rare that a film can do it and do it successfully. So I think that's what they did well was still try to keep what they liked alive, but. I like to see that you still gave it more compliments than hatred because I feel like a lot of critics aren't really liking it as much as even you liked it as a casual fan. And especially me as like a big horror fan, I loved it. Right now it's running at a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. That means that 20 people liked it and 16 people didn't. Only 36 only 36 people have wrote their reviews on it. Uh, I understand that the people in Tampa, the critics didn't like it, but like, those were older people. Those were non-traditional, uh, I don't want to say non-traditional horror fans. They're just not, hor- they're probably not horror fans. And this is a not, this is a non-traditional movie, which, uh, it, it's weird. Like, I feel like horror gets judged differently than other things. And I feel like it gets judged harshly. And this is just not me sucking up to you, but like indie films, where it's this nice indie movie about somebody doing nothing. Everybody's like, oh my God, Oscar worthy. But when it's a small indie horror film, they're like, oh, this is a hot piece of garbage. And I, yeah, I definitely think that this genre does get some unfair treatment. And I'm glad that you as like a critic and a film lover do acknowledge it because a lot of people don't understand the bias. And it's hard for me as a horror fan to sometimes be respected as a film critic because I love these movies. And they're like, you can't like that and not like this. And I'm like, I can like whatever the hell I want. <laughs> like, So I think it's interesting to see that it, it, this is a conversation that's starting that there is a divide with these films. And I think it's interesting that this kind of is polarizing because I think that's what I like about it maybe. Maybe I like that there's people who's hating it and I have such a passionate love about it. It's interesting to see that a movie like this is getting this kind of talk and buzz. Whatever our opinions, this movie is just going to make pure cash Ola bank this week. And they'll probably make another one. I don't know when. I don't know how. Or why, but they're going they're gonna to make another one. And I hope they're not universe building, because that would be really dumb. But I wouldn't mind knowing what the fuck's going on in the woods. See, I want a prequel. I want to know, I want it to be like what we saw with The Witch the, earlier this year. I want it to be very Puritan. I want to see the Blair Witch story. 
I think that would be interesting. And someone wrote it on a comment on Dewey's page that, oh, the next one's going to come out in 17 years and be called Blair. And I'm like, uh, genius idea because that's the town that they were lived in. I think that would be so cool to like kind of keep expanding on this, but maybe go in reverse. Maybe tell me things back of it. Uh, yeah, you I, and fucking prequels can't stand prequels. Prequels are the no, worst. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to see what they can do with this. And yeah, I think it's going to make boatloads of cash. And let's see if they want to keep the integrity of the franchise up by not exploiting it too much. Hi, EJ. You have a good weekend. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. P.S. I like Don't Breathe better. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host EJ is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. Google Play now carries monkeys fighting robots podcast. If you play on Google, check us out. Additionally, there's this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world, plus the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 90-second episode of the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast a success. Special shout-out to my co-host, DJ Marino, for putting up with me. Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The staff of Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, Thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect New Year, New You portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-Mobile to learn more or visit a store today.